Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Matt D. Fothery, Lee Boyd, and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to another stupendous episode of FNO InsureTech, your connection to all things InsureTech, brought to you by Lee Boyd, <laughs> Rob Beller, 470 Claims, and the entire production company that puts this podcast together for your listening. And today is particularly exciting, enthralling, amazing episode. You want to know why that is, Lee? I would love to know. Why don't you tell us, Rob? Can you guess? Well, I actually have the answer to the test. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you, you peaked, in I other peaked. words. I peaked. Okay. And if it's okay. like anything in sixth grade, you get in trouble for that. Yeah. Yeah. I was a peaker. Mm. Truth be told. I mm. like to peak. Well, that's, that's what happens sometimes. But uh, more importantly, we have a podcast today that we have been waiting to do for like a year and a half. A very long time. For a very long time. There was this reason and that reason and technical reasons and mm -hmm. legal reasons, and but all of those have been cleared, so we finally have it today. Why don't you go ahead and do the intro on our stupendous special guest? Today we get a visit with Robin Roberson. She is the Managing Director of Claim Central Consolidated North America. We have been wanting to have her on for a long, long time. She is a name in the insurance space. She is a name in the insured tech space. She's on many lists. She's a speaker. She's all over the place. Many of you know her from founding WeGoLook, which really has revolutionized the way that insurance claims are done. I'm very excited to have her on. It's been a long time coming. I was waiting for you to get to the WeGoLook part. Well, I got there. She, you did, you did. And it just goes to show you what a remarkable person she is. She has a long list of things that she's up to, credentials. She's mm -hmm. a real in-demand speaker, both on the topic of InsureTech as well as motivation and other things. And, and quite frankly, she's a friend. She is somebody who we got to know at InsureTech a few years ago at InsureTech Connect, which we did. We connected, huh? At InsureTech Connect with yeah. Robin, and she was incredibly generous to Lee and I, spent a lot of time with us, and really, not only did we get to know her, we got to know why she's been able to achieve the things that she has, and we're going to hear all about that today. And you know what, Rob, in, in addition to all of that motivation, she is a passionate person. She's a great person. Even before the podcast, a lot of times we get to talk to our guest, and, and we get to visit with them, and she was telling me some tales of some of the speaking engagements that she's done outside of insurance. She just, she's such an interesting person. And I'm really excited to get to talk to her about that today. Well, we can jibber jabber from now until the end of time, or we can just get right to it. So without further ado, here is our interview with Robin Roberson, Managing Director of North America, Claim Central Consolidated, and all around big influencer in the InsurTech world. Hey, everybody. We are here with our very, very, very special guest. Maybe the most special guest we've ever had. What do you think about that, Lee? 
Yeah, I think so. She is a very, very special guest. Of all the special guests we've had, this may be the specialist of the special guests. <laughs> and there are so many reasons that I say that. There's not even time today to go into them all. So I'll just jump straight forward and say we have with us today the one, the only, Robin <laughs> Roberson. Thanks, Rob. Whose list of accomplishments is long enough to make a podcast by itself. However, we'll edit that down. A short podcast. <laughs> we'll edit that down to say that she is currently managing director of Claim Central US. That's right. Did I get that right? You did. You did. Technically North America, but we'll we'll go with US. No, we can go North America. I mean, that yeah, right. let's 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 North America is much larger than it's just larger. US. It's larger. And, but most importantly, we have with us today a dear friend. Thank you. And partner in crime. <laughs> you weren't going to talk about any of that stuff, Rob. Well, <laughs> too late. <laughs> Welcome to our crazy little podcast. Thanks for coming. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to finally be here. Waited till the time was right. <laughs> yes, and all legal <laughs> obstacles were cleared. We have been waiting quite some time to, have. to, to have you on. So we appreciate you making some time today. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. Our podcast pleasure. is over a year and a half old. And I think since the beginning, we have been bothering you to do this. Yeah, I would think before it even started. Before it even started. Before we even had well, the idea. Now you have listeners, so it's better. <laughs> <laughs> so we hope. Is that what you were waiting for? Truth be told. I waiting for you to build up the audience, Rob. <laughs> all right. All right. You wanted it to be worth your while. I'm kidding. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us today. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) So we have a lot to cover with Robin. We want to hear about what she's doing today. We also, of course, want to hear about the past and the future. So we'll just jump right in and let's start with what the heck are you doing now, which many people are wondering. And I think it's important to let everybody know that because you are in the little InsureTech community. You're fairly well known. You've gotten around. She's a big and wig. She- <laughs> I need a big wig. <laughs> it's very go. funny that there you, you say that. Is it? Is it? It's very funny that you say that, Lee. That might have been an, like an unconscious slip. Oh, was it? Was uh-huh. it? <laughs> I think so. No. Well, Robin, why? Sit here and Robin, sweat. I'm going to let you. <laughs> tell this story why is that important why is that ironic that he says it's big ironic wig? that he says big wig because right now you can't see me because you're on a on a podcast listening but i have no hair um and i joke that i'm trying to actually mirror our target sales demographic in insurance <laughs> but that's really not why i don't have any hair so um yeah i was diagnosed with two different types of uh, breast cancer earlier this year and in fact when i saw you in january in florida um, at the CoreLogic event, um, I had just had my first biopsy. And so anyway, COVID and breast cancer made my 2020 really interesting, but I am finished with chemo now. And I, thank you, am hopeful that I have hair by the time we meet again at a conference in person. <laughs> but until then, I'm enjoying it. I'm actually a little jealous of you guys being able to just jump in the shower and go. It's been quite liberating. And you know, when I go outside, I can feel like wind on my head. It's kind of (laughs) cool. Yeah. Do you ever think to yourself, maybe I'll keep this look? You know, um, (laughs) 
Uh, really? But <laughs> so I, don't, I don't mind it for now. You know, I'm totally good. I've just leaned into it. I haven't bought any wigs. I haven't gone down that route. I am what I am. And, you know, our hair doesn't define us. Our breasts don't define us. Absolutely. But I'll be glad to have both of them back soon. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. And sure. That very personal part. I'm sure that there's other people in our audience who have been touched similarly by this and absolutely we appreciate your courage and your forthcoming well i don't think it should slow us down it's it's hard it's a crazy to you start talking about it to see how many people are affected and men can get it also so i really yeah. am hopeful that any anyone listening male or female are checking and make sure that if anything is suspicious that they go have it checked out and the good news is is that none of this has held you down for those of us who know robin yeah. She's kind of a force of nature in the sweetest and nicest way, right? Like Tornado. you don't even know that you're being run over by a Mack truck. <laughs> you think you're being calmly, sweetly loved by this wonderful woman until you realize, oh my God, I've been hit by a Mack truck. So that being said, let's talk about managing director of Claims Central. Yes. We'll start there and then go backwards real quickly because we can't, fully talk about you and your journey without, of course, talking about We Go Look sure. and where you came from and what you started and kind of a revolution that you've really been integral in bringing into our industry. So tell us about Claim Central, what you guys are doing and, and how you ended up there. Absolutely. So about 16 months ago, you know Kenneth real well, but uh, to the audience, Kenneth Knoll was my business partner at We Go Look, um, COO. He and I left We Go Look and we started a boutique consulting company called Goose and Gander, where we primarily worked with insure techs, learned a lot about cybersecurity, actually became partners in a low-code, no-code platform called Build Array that's really focused on risk within many industries. During that time, became aware of the technology that Claim Central Consolidated had built over the last you know 18 years to support their own businesses. Uh, in Australia. It was very exciting and new and something that was intriguing to myself and also Kenneth. Had some conversations with them and, and waited until my certain legal period passed and had really deeper discussions on, on how we could come in. And so, so I'll tell you a little bit more about the product. But for me, the reason it was exciting was because and, and I know you so well, Rob, that uh, I feel like I can tell you this and people that are listening are going to probably think I'm crazy. That's okay. <laughs> um, when I started We Go Look back in 2009 and first launched in 2010, I had this total gut feeling, entire soul, knowing that I was going to be able to offer that product globally. And that was just embedded into my heart. And when we became purchased by a large TPA, I knew that that would allow me to take that step globally and really be able to leverage all those resources. And then when that, you know, ended about 16 months ago, I was a little disheartened because I thought, you know, to myself this whole time, I'd felt like I, I was going to end up here globally offering this way to capture data and it didn't happen. But then when this opportunity with Claim Central comes along, I'm sure you're familiar with LiveGenic. It's an online video collaboration tool, live sure. video. Yeah. And they're the largest private stakeholder in that company. With the advent of COVID and, of course, technology as it's become better, that's really 
a fantastic way to capture field data, right? And so kind of going into that virtual inspection in data capture realm, but without actually having to have a person do it, to me, that's kind of an evolution and in the next step in field service. I am very excited to be able to kind of fulfill my, where I, where I know I can be here with this company and just tremendous support. I don't know if you know the uh, CEO. I definitely want to introduce you to him sometime. Brian Simpson at Claim Central Consolidated in Australia. You'd love him. Incredible guys put together a rock star team. And so just thrilled to be part of it and to scale and bring the technology piece over to the U.S. Well, you know, for anybody to be able to recruit somebody of your caliber and Kenneth's too, I'll I'll include Kenneth. Absolutely. Is a major accomplishment and also a major validation for their product. Yes. Like I said, like Lee and I know, tons of people know you. You frequently appear on various lists of the most influential people in the industry of InsureTech. It's a big deal where you ended up. And, and Robin, what, what is your goal with joining this company? What do you want to do? What are you currently doing? And to reach that global status, what are you, yep. what are you doing to propel it forward? Like I mentioned, they've built this technology to support all of their claim services in Australia. So they have their own TPA called InsureX. They have an auto claims platform, Hello Claims. They perform traditional claim services, field adjusting, and they have their own repair network, water mitigation. So really... All of these combined into one open marketplace. They've built this as a a modular end-to-end claims workflow management platform. And inside of it sits this open marketplace. Um, So we're connecting services, insure tech tools. So kind of think digital collaboration and claims workflow hub ecosystem. So where we can easily connect all these insure tech tools to the services. So like a 470 could be easily connected and integrated with a LiveGenic slash hover slash planner tool. And you don't have to have all these disparate systems. So for me, the goal is to be technology driven only here, but we're connecting many, many different types of services through the claims process. We're starting with claims, we'll eventually go to underwriting. But it's like this really cool, all the tools in one toolbox and that includes all the way from um, FNOL services, emergency repair to, to all the way to property repair. It's it's really neat to be able to connect the different InsureTech tools that we all know and talk about, but many haven't been able to take advantage of because they don't want to connect to so many different systems. So the goal is to to bring that here in the U.S., obviously Canada, and then other countries as well. What we're doing is taking, it's already soft launched here in the U.S., but we're going to just improve it and enhance it and add more and more providers. And and we're going to go after, by the way, Lee, groups that may not traditionally, people don't focus on, right? That may not have the resources or tools. So think Mm -hmm. of a smaller IA firm, TPA, even the tier two and three carriers. I want to make sure that everyone has access to these tools. It's truly an open ecosystem. So I'm excited. Yeah, that's wonderful. So it sounds like right now, the software is there, but you're really focusing on building the networks mm-hmm. and the relationships with those IA firms, those inspectors, and even those contractors. Is that right? Absolutely. So they're, they've been here for a little over two years, like I said, kind of soft launched with different clients. And 
you know, so the, it's already working, but we're just adding, and there's already uh, providers within the marketplace, but we're just adding more and more. And of course, we can uh, allow any customer to invite their TPA, their IA, their their providers into the network as well. So um, just building that out and becoming the most robust ecosystem out there. Yeah, I think that's that's always needed. Rob and I have talked a lot with individuals who work within this ecosystem, but it's still so disconnected. Yeah. And there's a lot of cool tools, but you have to have a lot of systems. And it sounds like you're trying to bring all those in. Right, right. With just one connection. Yeah, just one connection. I like to talk about what makes you the best person for this job. And I'm sitting here thinking that you're going out trying to add people to this network, add companies to this network. And it's something that that you've done. It's something that you're used to it. But yet when founding Wego Look, you didn't actually start in the insurance space. Right. It, it was a, it was a different thing. I, I'd love it if maybe you could go back, as Rob had said, and and talk to us about the the founding story of Wego Look. It, it's crazy. It feels like it was long ago, and it feels like it wasn't that long ago. But but yeah. So um, it's September. So exactly eleven years ago, I had a friend that was looking at a high end projector on eBay and thought the seller was misrepresenting it. And, you know, he said, I wish I had someone to go look at that for me. And, you know, back then everybody was purchasing on eBay. So this was before Amazon's big <laughs> takeover. And, but not everybody was using uh, and, and buying online yet. But I could tell that would, that was happening because I was doing a lot of work, my other company uh, consulting for auto dealers. And I was, you know, used to different CRM tools and course all the organic leads that were coming in there and and people shopping online for just vehicles even though all the cookies all all the different automation wasn't there yet anyway I, I did some research couldn't find a service provider doing this and I thought wow how cool would that be to be able to just dispatch someone on demand to go capture this data right so if you wanted to I like to use the pinball machine uh, because I love pinball machines uh, but if you wanted to buy a pinball machine in Kentucky and you were in California, you know, you could easily dispatch someone locally in Kentucky to go take those photos and video working demonstration, take measurements, and then send all that data back electronically to the buyer uh, to kind of help them verify and, and actually add credibility to that seller, right? And so it was really built to help people like you and I mitigate our risk when purchasing something sight unseen. And um, I'd been on some really bad online dates. <laughs> I was like, oh, we could use this. <laughs> could send somebody <laughs> out instead of me going out and meeting this person. I could send a looker. Um, and um, But you could use it for anything. Isn't that could, called a private detective? I mean. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Maybe. Probably should have done that too. But yeah, I mean, obviously you could go look at anything, right? Puppies and puppy meals. Make sure that wasn't, you know, it was a, a reputable breeder. If it was far away, you could have your grandma checked on. Had all these great ideas. And you could do that around the world. Right. And it wasn't until Superstorm Sandy hit in 2012 that I pivoted over to that B2B model because I had a request from a large company to go take photos of some residential properties. And that company turned around and had their vendors start using us. And that's when the light bulb went off on the B2B. I was like, okay, I can customize data capture at scale anywhere in the U.S. electronically. Back then, people were still using, you know, clipboards and regular cameras and faxing in papers that were sideways. And they still do that, by the way. Right. <laughs> Trying to help those people too. But anyway, so that was kind of the genesis of We Go Look. And of course, it grew and it went into the, the auto space, auto inspections. But 
had a tremendous success in the insurance space, capturing some of that data at a much more efficient and faster cost, right? Instead of seeing a adjuster out to take pictures of a scene inspection, I could send a looker who was a few blocks away to take those photos and, and send them in very quickly. So it worked out great. We at 470 saw the need for the WeGo Look type of service, you know, some time ago. And, and as we were searching and trying to reorient our company around a more technology-driven model, having a concept like WeGo Look was really important to us. So we kind of sought you out. And both Lee and I have been to Oklahoma City. Yes. And saw your operation there. And I have to say it was really remarkably impressive how far you had taken it yeah. and how far you, you had gone with it. And it really seriously was an insure tech. It wasn't just let's find somebody and send them out. I mean, you had a whole platform built, right? Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, I don't want to sure. <laughs> I don't want to do an advertisement for Wego Look, but you created something from the ground up out of nothing. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable. Well, thanks. It was definitely a wonderful journey, right? And it's quite rewarding to know you just took a blank computer screen and brought it to life. That's that's what's the cool part. But yeah, I mean, there were a lot of mistakes made. There were a lot of learnings to be had. And I had an amazing team. It was a lot of trial by error. And I think that that bootstrapping and taking probably, you know, a few years of, okay, here's how we need to actually at scale have people collect data in a similar fashion. That's correct. You know, how do we incorporate platforms like Lessonly and into our app? So we are, we're providing training. All of those things were important. It was definitely sometimes two steps forward and one back, right? As it is with any kind of new business. I picked up a few big contracts. eBay Motors was one of them. They're still partners with eBay Motors. And that's when I was able to raise a little over $3 million in 2014. And that really allowed me to quickly scale. And I hired Kenneth full-time then. And together we were able to take the, the company, you know, multiple, multiple X's over the next couple of years growth. And that was a lot of fun. So talk about the decision to sell basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I asked you to go through that because a lot of people who listen to our podcast are from the insure tech world mm -hmm. and they're operating their businesses. They're growing their businesses and maybe they've had offers, maybe they haven't, who knows, but I'm sure it's, it's something that everybody considers. What was that like? And because I kind of know, I know the rest of the story, but talk about how that came about and, and why you decided to do that. Sure. First of all, before I answer that question, anyone who's listening that's thinking of selling or, or scaling, The um, Innovator's Dilemma by Clay Christensen is a fantastic book. I wish I had read it years ago. I only read it about two years ago, but it's got a lot of fantastic information in it that could be very helpful to people who are considering selling. But I was actually looking to raise a Series B round. I wasn't looking to sell the company. In uh, 2016, we interviewed and, and worked with uh, over 30 VC firms looking for that Series B round to kind of help us. We wanted to scale globally. We had a term sheet with the group out of Bentonville, New Road. I'm actually on their advisory board too. They're a $200 million fund with, with the Walton family, Tyson and JB Hunt. And they wanted to invest that full round. We had another TPA that was interested in purchasing us. And I think because we had such a good relationship and 
we were billing quite a bit from one of the top carriers. We had that interest. And that's when we were approached to kind of look at that. And I felt like it was a fantastic way. Again, earlier I talked a little bit about my vision of wanting to be global and and offering that. But you know what? There's a point when you know that you don't know enough about, you know, international law or (laughs) finance or you don't have a large enough sales team. Like it's kind of like having a little baby (laughs) that you see grow up and then they're in high school and then it's time for them to go to college and become the adult that they can be, right? You don't have much control over it after that point. And I felt like that's where I was with the company I was like, okay, I feel like I've taken it where I can go and I can grow and I can learn, but it would be great to have a team come in and be able to say, here's, you know, that has all the expertise, have the, the contacts, uh, the resources to really take it where it can go. And so that was the decision. I, instead of the silent partners that I had bringing in this other group, and of course they were majority owners. And I felt like that was the best decision to allow the company to mature as quickly as it could. And so that was kind of the decision there. How did that work out? Well, I mean, it was a fantastic learning experience. I have learned a lot about the insurance space. When you make the decision to sell the company, it's not yours anymore. And it took me a little while. It was just so much part of my DNA that it was kind of hard for me to separate myself from the company, right? But I went to this really cool workshop out in LA, I guess it was about a year and a half ago. And I was talking about this. And of course, Brett Brewer, the founder of MySpace, he was one of the speakers. And here, this guy created MySpace. And he's also created like 18, 19 other companies since then. And he's also failed at like 18 or 19 other companies since then. And he was talking about this. And I was like, you know what? I miss, I miss the building. I miss the creating the solutions. I miss the rolling up the sleeves and figuring things out. I'm not a corporate reporting person. I'm not good at those kind of things. I like to really dig in and find out what customers need. And and I like to be part of that. And we went through this exercise. And this is important, I think, for everyone out there who works at any job. We didn't know anybody at this conference at all. And we had to spend 10 minutes with another stranger. And nobody there had name tags that said who we were with or what our titles were. But we had to talk about who we were. He said, tell the other person who you are, like your life depends on it. And of course, you know, I'm a mom. I am all the things that make me up as a person. I'm trying to talk to this person. They're trying to talk to me. And at the end of this exercise, we had to write each other's obituary. And I was like, ah, you know what? We go look's not going to be in my obituary. Like, or hopefully it's not. (laughs) Hopefully that's not the only thing that doesn't define who I am as a person. And it was such a great aha moment for me to go, you know what? I want to create and build and we go like spend a wonderful part of my journey, but I'm not done yet. And I want to evolve and do something even bigger. It's not who I am. After that, it was pretty easy for me to kind of separate all of that. You know, it was a lot of hard work and, and it was special and it was wonderful. And I want the company to be successful always. And so it was just a great experience overall. But I, I, I hope everyone kind of takes a step back and can separate their their company from themselves. It was, I think a lot of us that work hard all the time, uh, constantly, that we're just so ingrained in us that our company's part of us. And, and we just need to be reminded that, you know, our family and, and the things that we do, those things define us. I think that's wonderful. I think that's a very, very important lesson for everyone 
And it makes me think about maybe other lessons you've learned whenever you started your company. We have a lot of listeners who are in the insured tech space. They're, they have ideas. Mm-hmm. They, they want to be uh, on their own. They want to go out and start a company. Yeah. Uh, we have others who are just in the infancy stages of it. Is there any advice or anything uh, you, you could pass along to those who are wanting to start their own company? Sure. I would say there's no right time. It's like having a baby. I try to mentor some people and people send me questions and I try to help as many people as I can. They're like, well, we want to wait like six more months when this, this, and this, and oh, we're going to launch as soon as this, this, and this is, you know, it's perfect. And I'm like, just do something. Don't talk about it for a year and then don't, you know, you have to, and, and look at MVP go out and prove that the model works. It can, when, when we go look started, my motto was we may be the Flintstone mobile in the background, but I want the customer to see the Lamborghini. I said that all the time to people, (laughs) customer sees Lamborghini, it's Flintstone mobile. Everybody's working hard (laughs) to make it paddle the wheels. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's MVP that you Mm got to make sure it works. And a lot of people who have an idea for a company, what they think is right. They may get into the marketplace with their MVP and find out they need to pivot or they might have something that needs to change. Whereas if they had spent, you know, eight months and X number of dollars on something that is, it looks a little bit more streamlined and works a little better. They might have to actually take a step back and position it differently. So I love just talking through people and say, okay, don't stop what you're doing, but get your idea out there, write a, solid business plan. There's all kinds of, there's 1 million cups is a great group for entrepreneurs to get together. There are all kinds of accelerators and innovation labs and every single big city I know, the internet makes it even easier for people to connect and learn. And there are people that are willing to help with suggestions and, and ideas too. So I just always encourage people, the worst thing you can do is fail, right? And I wish that I had a long time ago taken a, a jump sooner. So and, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you that real quick, the aha moment, because I think it's important if anybody out there is listening, it feels this way. I'm still awake. Are you still up? Is your coffee yeah, kicking in? Yeah. Yeah. Go on. This is why we, we had you because your experience and your insights are super valuable. So please continue. Some people may or may not know, I have lost both of my son's fathers, um, both to car accidents. So that's happened to me twice. And when my youngest son, when this happened, and I was, I was devastated. I was working for the Washington Post. I loved my job. Didn't see myself doing anything different. But over time, I knew I had to do something that allowed me more flexibility. And that was creating my own schedule. And I'd, I'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I loved it. But it was really hard for me to take that leap to go from a solid paycheck uh, with the responsibility that I had to going, okay, let's try something new. In that that time period that I had to talk myself into it of months before taking that leap, I wish I had done it sooner. And and the reason I'm sharing that is because it can be really scary if you're trying to start a company or you're trying to do something new and you're tied to that income that, you know, and those responsibilities that you have. What I would say is if you're good at what you're doing, you can always go fall back on that, whether it's with that company or another company. And it's just funny because that wasn't, it's hard to see that when you're in that position. Um, And I wish I had, like I said, done it sooner. Um, But that would be something I would tell people as well. You know, don't be afraid to get out there and try. The worst thing is 10 years later going, man, I wish I'd done that and not being able to. 
I got my MBA when I was middle-aged, and I can't tell you how many times I would come across people who would say to me, I wish I would have done that. Mm. It's very common, right? I'm sure you've heard it many mm -hmm. times in your travels. People mm -hmm. say, oh, I wish I had this idea. Oh, yeah. I wish I would have gone after it. Yep. I agree with you. I think the biggest thing you have to lose is knowing that you didn't try. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've been involved in a startup that had a failure. It's it's excruciating and tough. Mm -hmm. But years later, it's part of my frame of reference. But you learn from it. Absolutely. I agree. It's just hard. It's hard when you're facing it, right? Um, mm -hmm. But you just have to do it. So hopefully that helps somebody out there today. I'm sure it will. So instead of starting something new, you went to work for somebody. I did, but it's it's like starting something new, but it's, it's almost like I have a very large war chest. I have the expertise and support behind me. It is almost like a supercharged startup here in the U.S. because they are services heavy in Australia, and this is their technology approach here in the U.S. So it's mm -hmm. something new, and it is a new platform. And so I feel like it's a startup, but it's, again, I, I've got all the resources that I absolutely need to make it successful. So it's exciting. We're doing a lot of the fun rolling up our sleeves again. So Robin, you've been a part of this growing world of InsureTech for a long time, right? Founding your company many, many years ago. I would say you really jumped in as one of the, the early birds to this world of InsureTech. We've talked about how we've seen each other at InsureTech Connect and other conferences for many years now. What do you think about where things are going? Is this right? You know, is all the technology and all the new ways of doing insurance claims and underwriting, is it all going where we thought it would be going? Well, I don't know if it's going where we thought it would be going. I do know it's going. So if you think about the word InsureTech, it wasn't even around a few years ago. And not only has that word become well-known, I believe that the InsureTech community has evolved and grown as well and matured. If you remember going to InsureTech Connect the first year, then going last year to see oh, yeah. how ever, so many more companies and around the world, I think that's what's exciting is just seeing so many InsureTechs that are just there's thousands of them at this point. And I, I believe that, especially with COVID, has forced companies to become more digital and to accept technology. It's, it's, I think it's helping fast track adoption. But there's still that overall problem of these fantastic InsureTechs having a hard time getting inside a carrier or, or some other distribution channel because there's so many. And, and that's one reason why we want to kind of be able to stitch them all together in this ecosystem uh, that we're working on. And so I absolutely believe that it's come a long way and there's more to be had and technology is part of the insurance industry. And what's exciting is we've been able to see the change to think about where we were um, even just five years ago right. to now how different it is. And you know, in another five years, the landscape's going to change. Look at automotive. I mean, you've got telematics, you have all of these things. You have OEMs that are now insurance carriers. They don't, they are actually just going to leverage TPAs. It's very different because they're able to come in and, and leverage those insure tech tools. So I definitely see the landscape has changed. There's definitely more to come and we get to shape it, all of us. So it's exciting. 
You're frequently called on as a speaker back in the days when we used to have conferences uh-huh. um, pre-COVID. <laughs> but post-COVID, I'm assuming that will be the case once again. Can you share with us some conferences that you found to be particularly good in the old days and assumingly will be in the future as well? Yeah, well, I kind of like to stick with tried and true. I mean, conferences, I'll put them into two different buckets. (laughs) One is conferences that are great to go network in. And others are conferences that have really awesome, relevant content that you can learn from, that, that you can also network. So I think PLRB is a fantastic conference to network and meet others at. And of course, you know, the content I think will probably hopefully change and evolve in, in some of them. But I, I know PLRB is a great one I like to go to. InsureTech Connect is always fantastic. The I think that not only the networking, but the content is just off the chart. It's, it's really good. You've got Connected Claims. Then I think it's a smaller conference. It's usually in Chicago, but it's usually pretty solid on content and networking. Obviously, Dig In is a good one always in Austin. I love how they have everything set up there. Um, I'm actually going to be moderating a panel. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Claims Innovation USA. It's going to be um, October 26th, 28th, and 30th. And the speakers are phenomenal. The content, these people have been working on it. It's going to be off the chart, I think, for as far as a virtual conference goes. I'm looking forward to seeing how that works out. But those are some of my favorites. I like to go to RIMS also. I think RIMS is fantastic for networking as well. I've never been to RIMS. You should go. Well, it's, it's more on the you know risk side, but it's huge, and it, it's more about the networking. Well, listen, we have waited a long time for this, and of course it's been worth the wait. It's been more than worth the wait. It's a joy to have you with us and, and well, a pleasure thanks, to hear what you're up to and what you're thinking and all about your experiences, which I know mean a lot to a lot of people through the industry. You're very well thought of. I think you're still on the top 50 list, aren't you? Still am. Last time I saw. What are you? I remember when you were like number eight. The last six months, I haven't been as active just because of the um, everything. Yeah, I think I'm. I, I think I'm down to thirty something. So I'll get back up there. Yeah, we're gonna have to. Well, I saw on the, on the last list that Caribou Honig was number fifty. So when you see that, you have to think, huh, who's making this list? <laughs> but uh, there's no question that you belong on it. And I'll go as far as saying that Lee and I are friends of yours. And yes. and we've been with Robin many times at different conferences. And you get Robin for like a few minutes and then somebody else walks up who she knows and is close to. And um, you're very well thought of and very accessible. So Thanks. we want to encourage those people in our audience to reach out to Robin. I'd love it. Because I'm sure, like she just said, she would love it. So why don't you tell us, why don't you tell our audience how they can find you? Sure. Obviously on LinkedIn, Robin Robertson, R-O-B-E-R-S-O-N. My email is pretty simple. It's two R's, R, R. So R for Robin Robertson, R-O-B-E-R-S-O-N at claimcentralusa.com. And I'll go ahead and give you my cell phone. It's uh, 405, because I love you, Rob. <laughs> 317 4107. That's 405-317-4107. Love to talk to anybody about anything. Well, listen, thank you so much. Thank and, you guys. And please thank Kenneth for letting us do this. I will. Because we know it's all up to him, really. It really is. <laughs> it really is. We were supposed to be on a call here 15 minutes ago, I'm sure. Okay. Well, thanks <laughs> for pushing things thank around. You so for much. Thanks. thanks, guys. Have a good day.
you, you know what, Lee, you were absolutely right. We needed to have Robin Roberson on our on our show, and we have, and she didn't disappoint, did she? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, it's it's always great to talk to somebody who has been in the insurance space. Uh, I mean, she she came from outside the space, she lived in it, and now she's working within it. Uh, she's just a she's always a delight whenever we get to visit with her. When me and you get to see her at conferences. Uh, or just around, she's just a wonderful person to to visit with and to talk to. And I loved her story of how We Go Look got started. It was based on a need, on a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she went about solving the problem, never having probably any idea of where it was going to end up. And that's the kind of person that she is. She follows her dreams in a passionate way and makes things happen. So we thank her for being with us. It's, it's been well worth the wait. And we wish her all the best in her new endeavor. And we thank you for being with us once again and inviting us into your little podcast world. We thank you and we'll say to you what we always say to you at the end. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>